Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to I Am The Future with your host, Lady Fontaine, co-host Dr. Jean Cirillo, Julie Zellman, and Frank Tadaro. This is I on the Future. And now, Lady Fontaine. Thank you, Frank. This is Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. And we're here every Tuesday evening at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to talk about love, career, life, and what is whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 646 381 4141 to get the best of both worlds as Dr. Jean Cirillo and I take your calls. Tonight is the night we've all been waiting for. This is part one of a two-part series on relationships. Tonight, we're going to be giving you tips and secrets of attracting the right partner as well as keeping them. And later in the show, we'll be taking your calls. Tonight, we're only taking love and relationship calls, so if you have any other questions, be sure to send them to us for next week's mailbag. But tonight, everything you ever wanted to know about relationships but were afraid to ask, and we want to hear your relationship questions. Our number again is 646-381-4141. The switchboard is open, and we're waiting for your call. Okay, let's get started. We have a jam-packed show tonight. The switchboard is already lighting up, so give us a call at 646-381-4141. So, um, Dr. Cirillo, before we get started tonight on this relationship show, what can you tell the listeners about, you know, the differences between men and women and how they process things, how they think, how they feel? It's, you know, all that Venus and Mars stuff is so popular these days. What can you tell us from a psychological basis on, on really the difference of how men and women process things? Well, the difference is they're finding more and more biological. That's what happens. A lot of it has to do with keeping our race going in a very primitive way. That's why uh, men are really put on this earth to have sex with as many women as possible not to get attached to the woman, but to go on to the next one, whereas women are attached to a man until they're pregnant, if you think about it. Mm. Once a woman in a primitive way has a baby with a man, she's ready to throw him out. She feels about the man who got her pregnant the same way we might feel, the same way a man might feel about a one-night stand. Mm. And what happens is a man is supposed to try to get a woman pregnant, Go away, three to six months, what does he do? He comes back, right? Yeah, yeah. If she's visibly pregnant, run away. (laughs) If he already did his job, if she's not visibly pregnant, try again. And, you know, the the reason for that is, think about it, it costs more to feed a man than a woman. Mm. All you need is one big man to take care of a bunch of women the women can produce the babies, and the women have to be attached to the man till they have a baby, and then they have to be attached to the baby. So they're not going out looking for men. They're, they're home with the babies 
one man can take care of 10 women, and, you know, that's actually a better society for women. It because is? Because a piece of one man is, uh, like, let's say a very rich man often has a lot of babies, and he mm. can support them. And one-tenth of him is worth more, say, than 100% of somebody who doesn't produce as much. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, is a, this is why it's no accident that primitive societies are that way. It's only in our society that there's the luxury of a two-parent family, that dad can work and stay home and take care of his family. I wonder how we we created that then. I mean, what was the model didn't create for that? It. God created it, if you or fate created it, the universe created it. This is what keeps a society going. And the trouble is in a civilized society where we already have our basic needs met, the, the reason men and women are so different is because biologically they're programmed to be that way. Like, why are men so attracted to the Barbie doll image? Why is that? Why is that? That's biological, too. The huge breasts, huge hips, the little waist, that is the best body structure for delivering a baby and Mm. for feeding the baby. And the long blonde hair means that she's young. That was before hair dies. Mm. Blonde hair meant youth and two two or three years of health would make for nice long hair. Well, we so have actually, our... that's, that's why a man is attracted to that. Well, Frank, are you, is that your idea of the perfect woman? You know, um, very hourglass figured? I, I, as the guy in the show, I feel like I should plead the fifth, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> you do. Right? The one, the one, my one concern is that, like, if we are uh, genetically hardwired this way, yeah, um, we, are. we and there are so many other species in the animal kingdom that do pair off. Like, like take a dove. A dove. There's a, a male dove and a female dove, or even pigeons. Everybody hates pigeons. They're actually they're actually a type of dove, uh, and they pair off. Then why mm-hmm. is it that they do that instead of sp- trying to spread uh, around as their seed as, as well, they do. crazy primates well, well, do? Most animals spread around their seed now. The few animals that have the luxury of pairing off are mm. often animals where there's a lot of them. So they can form a little family and a little society. Mm-hmm. But, yet but we're the, just different. Well, yeah, and I no, find that... No, no, we pair off. I mean, we, Frank, you know, in a high-form, civilized society, we are the only ones that are morally because we're the only moral ones. That's why we're on top of the food chain. We, we mm. have the luxury of a higher brain function and a conscience, but we're told we have to pair off. If so we behave would, like animals, it's not, a, it's not seen as a positive. But would our own morality right. then be the aberration? Yeah, yeah. It could be the aberration or it could be the uh, something that the higher brain has, huh. has programmed us for. But... Our body functions by the lower brain, and the higher brain gets turned off when you're sexually attracted to somebody. And now the MRIs have proven that. The areas of the brain that have to do with thinking and judgment go blank when you're sexually uh, stimulated or during orgasm, especially for men more than women. Danger, nothing means anything except the pleasure sentence. Hmm. And well, anything I do biology. from here on, I 
I blame on my pleasure centers. <laughs> no, but it's well, really well, 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 your other parts of your brain can override the pleasure centers. If you were a pigeon, if you had the intelligence of a pigeon, we would have to excuse it. But this is going to be an interesting show for Frank since he's the uh, one guy that we're going to keep talking to and asking Right, because we have to check in with him regularly to sort of get his take on certain oh. things here. So we have our resident male vibration on this show tonight. I, I am an expert at being a male. It's going to be <laughs> a fun night for you, Frank. <laughs> and he's not a pigeon, so. <laughs> and Rock now, we call him Rock <laughs> It's time for Lady Fontaine's thought for the day. Well, this this thought is a is kind of a long thought because, you know, as America's number one love psychic, I get a tremendous number of clients in any given day or week or month talking to me about men or women who are extremely inconsistent in relationships. So what I want to talk about today is what do you do when your man or woman pulls back or is inconsistent? Um, You know, most of my clients are always saying that it literally drives them nuts, but regardless how many times they have yelled, cried, screamed, he or she continues to do it. Why do they do it, and how do you get it to stop? Well, the answer is really actually simple. And for, for the rest of this article, I'm, for the rest of this thought of the day, I am going to be talking about a man being inconsistent, and this is how I recommend a woman deal with the situation. Um, for a woman um, who's inconsistent, there might be some very, very minor differences, but listen up because this is really, really important. Um, if a man feels that there's an open door in and out of your life, let me tell you something, he'll take it. A man comes in and out of your life for one reason, because you allow it. Stop making it so easy for him. When a man pulls back and you don't hear from him for days, weeks, or God forbid, months, it's not uncommon for you, you know, for most women to labor almost every day thinking about him and trying to get him back. When he is being inconsistent or uh, inattentive, the absolute worst thing you can do is call, text, email, or reach out to him in any way, shape, or form. That, in effect, rewards his negative behavior. In many situations, when he finally contacts you, women, you know, that I talk to on a regular basis always tell me, oh, you know, they're so ecstatic and, and they're so anxious to speak to them. They change all their plans. They clear all their you know, their calendar and create all this free time for them, for the the guy, and then they wait and wait and wait. And bottom line is the guy ends up pulling back again. Um, When he finally does contact you, you know, it doesn't matter if you scream, cry, yell, shout, whatever. Um, If he ends up making promises to you that he's not going to do it again, inevitably most men keep repeating this pattern over and over again until you pull in the reins and say, enough is enough. So why does he do this? Well, it's simple. When you reward his bad behavior with attention and telling him how much you care and desire him, you reward him for being inconsiderate to you. When he ends up getting what he wants from you, be it sex, attention, words of you know, wisdom and love and wh- whatever else it is that you say to him, um, that gives him his fix. So he takes it and off he goes, and then he comes back, um, and then he goes back to being inconsistent. 
the worst mistake you can make is to anxiously welcome him back and allow the relationship to go back to where it was before he disappeared. Again, that reinforces the negative behavior, and you make it way too easy for him. He begins to subconsciously feel that being inconsistent is the best way to get attention from you. You actually train him to respond that way. He gets the attention he needs from you when he is being inconsistent, and that drives, and that drives him actually um, to do it. So you, you hold the key. Stop chasing him and pull back and watch the changes unfold. Now let's look at another situation. Imagine how some women don't put up with this kind of behavior. If they encounter a man that is inconsistent, after the first time he disappears, um, when they reappear, the woman is unavailable, nonchalant, totally uninterested and uninvolved with this man emotionally. She, is, she could be nice or she could be aloof or a combination thereof. And when he wants to see her or chat or have sex, inevitably she tells him, no, she's busy, she doesn't respond to him, and, you know, she's unavailable. What is the message a man gets from from this woman when he, when, he, when he encounters this kind of behavior. He quickly realizes that in order to keep this woman, he has to be on his toes and treat her well with attention, consideration, and love. Otherwise, she's going to drift away. Believe it or not, in both instances, the man really wants the woman in his life. So you really do hold the key to determine how a man treats you. So the best approach to get a man to be more consistent is simple. When he's not being consistent and attentive, back off. When he resurfaces, act nonchalant and very casual. Listen, but don't speak much. Um, when I say don't speak much, what I'm really concerned about is don't open your heart. Keep your conversations, chat sessions, or emails short and sweet. Don't unveil your deep feelings. Don't be an open book. Men don't realize it, but they are hardwired for the conquest. Even hearing that you care and adore him is often enough for him to feel good about himself, get that fixed, and then off he goes again, back to being inconsistent. The better approach is to act like he is a casual friend and treat him that way. Hey, if your best friend treated you the way you're, so many men out there treat women, how would you act? Most likely cautious and casual. You wouldn't welcome back your best friend if they treated you that way. Later in the show, we're going to be giving you specific do's and don'ts to stop this endless cycle of inconsistency. Remember, in order for a man or woman to respect you, you must respect yourself. It's interesting uh, the way that women think. And I think part of the problem, Lady Fontaine, is that we as women, uh, it's kind of what you're saying act this way, don't act this way, and it's not about acting that way or not acting that way. It's really feeling that way, and that's right. why you act that way. Right. I find that when people, you know, a woman could interpret this and say, okay, well, I really, really, really want him to call. So they're sitting waiting by the phone for days and days and days. He finally calls, and she acts aloof, but underneath the acting, the subconscious feelings are, oh, my God, thank God he called, right. and I really want him. But if a woman knows that she really wants a man who's available and who's going to treat her right, then when he finally calls, she'll actually be less interested. She won't be acting less interested. She'll be less interested because she wants a man who's actually going to be consistent. And, and that's very, very true. I mean, that deals with all the things that we talk about on a day-to-day -day basis here on this show. 
Um, but a lot of people aren't in that place. They don't know right. how to get to that place. That's why a little bit of strategy, I feel, goes a long, long way. I agree. And it's also, like we often say, it's act as if. If you're not feeling it, you've got to act that way, and then eventually you will feel that way. That's right. Because if you, if you take back your power and you act in a way um, as if you're respecting yourself, ultimately down the road there's a chance that you're going to start to get it. Um, right. You know, I still feel there's other work that most of us need to do in order to really get there, but certainly you can start this, the, the process of turning around um, situations like this. And I don't know why in our society this is such a huge, huge problem. Um, Dr. Cirillo, do you have any thoughts uh, on that? I think it's a huge, huge problem in any society. Maybe we consider it as a problem because when you look at it back in the old days, let's say uh, – some of these societies where women didn't have their own jobs and where they were home with eight kids, that was seen as their duty that, you know, they would stay home with the kids. And for whatever reason, the man couldn't be home. He was either out fighting a war, looking for food, uh, whatever he was doing. He was away from the home, and the women were, were the caretakers at home. So, so they accepted it because there was no choice. And some men still have that need to wander. A high testosterone man doesn't like to stay cooped up in the cave very long. He wants to be out. And it's okay for him to be out pursuing positive interests. One thing you should do as a woman is say, you know what, you want to cut work one day? I'll go with you. You know, be available to go outside the home, but if he seems to always want to be getting away and doing things on his own, that's the worst thing you can do is complain and and act overly affectionate when he comes back because then what you're really doing is you're either reinforcing the behavior by showing the love that he doesn't feel he gets that much of when he's predictable or you're pushing him away more by complaining about him being away. So what, what you said, Lady Fontaine, is the smartest thing. You just be, oh, okay, you know, you're back. Well, I, I made plans for today, maybe just like with a friend. You know, you, you, I have to be respected as my own person, too. In the past, some women didn't really have that. Their only personhood was either uh, being the wife and then the caretaker of the children. So... But now we, we have our own jobs, we have our own responsibilities. A lot of us have elderly parents where we are the primary caretaker. And I think today's men have, for the most part, when they want to settle down, they've learned to uh, to accept that. So if, if you don't, if you show that, they won't be shocked and they won't be pushed away. They'll, you know, they'll maybe welcome the fact that their wife won't let them run around like a single guy. I don't know. Right. Try it. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions and callers with with uh, inquiries about this topic, phone lines are open. Please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Get the best of both worlds as they intuitively answer all of your relationship questions. Call 646-381-4141 to get expert advice. And remember, if you don't get on the air tonight, please send us your questions at mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Be sure to note our new address, that is mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be selecting a few questions each week to answer live on each show. If, if I might go back to the, uh, to the topic, um, are we doing the report? No, we can go. Yeah, Frank, you could jump in for a second. Yeah, Frank, jump in. We'll do the report sure, in a minute. Sure. 
Sure. Well, I, mean, I don't really disagree with anything you guys said specifically, but it is, there is a problem that I see where human behavior mm-hmm. is something that is learned. I agree with that. But the way I see it is if you're in a healthy relationship, then these tricks and strategies shouldn't be needed at all. You're right. I, mean, I would say if you really feel that you have to control how you react around someone, that there's a power play going on, then, then you should seriously consider stepping aside and accept the fact that this is not the person for you that there's someone out there uh, for him or her that's like him or her and for yourself and just move on. Relationships they shouldn't be a project, nor people shouldn't, and people shouldn't be trained like dogs with any attention is good attention. I mean, I, I understand the concept of having respect for oneself and uh, be you man or woman doing only that which enhances your life, but when looking for love, that shouldn't be a factor. Love is not calculated. Love is not strategized. It either works or it doesn't. I mean, maybe uh-huh. I just have an idea. Pardon. Oh, I was going to say along the same lines, Frank, uh, is that not only step aside and try to find someone else, but step aside and try to find yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we're so women are so trained to want to be in relationships, and we get a lot of our self worth by being in relationships. That maybe sometimes instead of just jumping from man to man to man and doing the same thing over and over, step aside and say, you know what, I'm not going to be in a relationship for a while. I'm going to find out what I really want, what kind of guy I want, and how I'm going to act when I'm you know, with these types of guys. Exactly, exactly. You have to like yourself before you like someone else, and to, you have to have the product to give, and you have to know what you have so that you can be compatible with somebody else. Exactly. Because otherwise, it's, just a, it's an uphill battle. You're, constantly, you're Sisyphus. You're constantly pushing that boulder up the hill, and not getting anywhere because well, that, that's Sisyphus, right? Or that's you shouldn't guy. have to, but I think what we're saying is you have to confront the boulder if the boulder is giving you these problems. You can't just pretend it doesn't exist. And yeah, it's already not a healthy relationship if you have to do this, but if there's any chance that it can become healthy, you have to uh, put your needs on the table. Right. And, and the other part of it is so often people get into repeating patterns that no matter who it is that they're involved with, they end up in the same types of relationships. Exactly. Where men end up pulling back or men aren't, you know, um, honoring them or whatever it is. So these are sort of like first steps that people mm-hmm. can start do start doing to be aware of, you know, the fact that somebody isn't really um, providing for them or, or fulfilling their needs in any way, shape, or form. Um, and at least if they go through these steps, they, there has to be on some level some awareness and some shift that, hey, I'm worth more than this. And mm-hmm. unfortunately in dating these days, strategy is important. It really, really is important because uh, there's women out there that just give too much of themselves and in doing that, they think that they're locking in the men, but so often they're actually pushing them away. Right. What they find, it's really counterintuitive for them, the the right thing to do. So they have to force mm-hmm. themselves to do the opposite. It's true. And sometimes, yeah. you know, it's it's these things aren't really designed um, for the people that are in um, perfect relationships right. or healthy, or healthy relationships. relationships. It, right. it, you know, it isn't because those, they find that right balance. But... So often, and, and honestly, out of the, if I had to give a percentage of people who are in relationships where there's a lot of inconsistency, um, I would say that's got to be 70 or 80 percent of the people right. that I talk to any given week or month, and that's sure. tremendous. I mean, that is tremendous. That is I'm frustrating. Sure. It that is. is frustrating <laughs> as well, hell, though. I mean, uh, 
I, I hear it all the time from just people that I know, people who do this and bend over backwards to alter themselves and say, well, if, if I say this line in the email and, and if, I, if I put this word before that word, it'll give him the idea or her the idea that uh, I'm being weak and no, I have to be more powerful. And it's like you're spending so much energy and so much time and so much of yourself on these tiny little games that you can just step back push the person to the curb, and spend that on yourself. Find out what you want. That's the ideal answer, Frank. That's the ideal answer. That's what we hope people will do, but not everybody's ready to do that. Right. Yeah, and the people that are talking about relationships, it might seem like 70 to 80 to have dysfunctional relationships percentage-wise because normally it's human nature that when something's going well, you don't talk much about it. You take it for granted. So the mm-hmm, people that are definitely. constantly telling you that problems in the relationships are the ones with problem relationships. Right. It's very true. It's, very it's true. true. Well, people the in healthy relationships, they're not the ones seeking out Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They're home doing their own thing and not talking to you guys. <laughs> it's the people who are what in unhealthy relationships. What are you saying, that they're in bed making love now? <laughs> <laughs> With eye on the future out of the background, of course, for entertainment, for those low moments when you stop to take a breath. That's it. my ratings are going o'clock. up so high? Background music. <laughs> well, let's well, see they don't call in, we're fine. Let's see what Lisa Elvin Saltari's weekly astrological Starline report says about relationships Ooh. this week. Okay. <laughs> Hi, this is Lisa with the Starline Report. Aries, you are definitely beginning to feel you have the Midas touch. With Venus and Mercury both in your money zone by the second, it's time to verify what you truly value. On the third and fourth, careful of what you say to a loved one. They might not see the humor. Taurus, even though it's not quite your time to shine yet, with your ruler Venus now in Taurus, it lets you truly glow. This is a wonderful time for you to spruce up your image and socialize. On the third, a family squabble could get very tense. By the fourth, however, you figure out a way to have a win-win for everyone. Gemini, you're in a reflective mood as the week begins. Try to use this time to probe beyond the surface of things. On the fourth, Someone is definitely trying to provoke you. Try to count to at least 100. On the 6th, a money deal that had been pending now gets the green light. Even if it's still hush-hush, celebrate quietly. Cancer, your close circle of friends are by your side this week, even if you might be craving just a little privacy at the moment. The sun in your career zone is helping you take full advantage of whatever shows up. On the 3rd, you come up with a brilliant idea. Now get to work. A breakthrough on the 6th has you smiling. Leo, Mars and Leo is urging you to get going. Keep the momentum in life as high as you can without burning that candle. Careful, though, that you don't push someone in a direction they don't want to go. It could get a little sticky if your enthusiasm is viewed as arrogance. Tone it down a little if you must, but keep your eyes on the prize. Virgo, your ruler Mercury moves into the sign of Taurus by the second. This is good news indeed. Your brain feels refreshed and focused. On the fifth, someone is definitely trying to push your buttons. Don't let them. On the sixth, a partner may decide it's time to get out of town, thankfully with you. Go have some fun. Libra, the emphasis turns to money matters. You need to truly verify what the plan is. Oh, you don't have one? Maybe that's the problem. A friend tries to help out on the third. You might not like what they say, but you need to listen up. 
On the fourth, time with family and close friends restores your faith and has you smiling. Scorpio, with Venus and Mercury both in your marriage zone, it's definitely time to focus on your nearest and dearest. Venus smiles at your ruler Pluto on the fourth. Everything may not be coming up roses, but it is indeed a lovely garden. On the sixth, your ability to write or speak the truth wins the day. Sagittarius, your need for fun is uppermost in your mind this week. Try to get some time to get away, even if the office keeps calling. Mercury and Venus are now firmly in your work zone. Lots of things to do and people to see for the next little while. When Saturn enters your career zone, the ghosts of jobs past may come calling. Capricorn, focus on your home life and what you need to do to streamline your domestic situation this week. This may be hard to do because you may come down with a bad case of spring fever. Enjoy yourself on the 3rd and 4th. On the 6th, Pluto in Capricorn goes retrograde for the next few months. Try time for you to separate the wheat from the chaff in your life. Aquarius, you are going a mile a minute this week. Try to stay focused no matter what or who comes calling. On the 3rd and 4th, avoid messing with a family member. It's a no-win for you and will only create unnecessary drama. Secret information you may receive on the 6th makes everything crystal clear. Pisces, your brain is on overdrive. You've got more ideas than you know what to do with. Try to see what really works before you dive in. A war of words may occur with a neighbor, relative, or co-worker over the weekend. Use that faintest intuition to guide you into knowing what and what not to say. This is Lisa with the Starline Report. Always remember to follow your star. You know, um, Lisa was supposed to be on our show tonight, and she wasn't able to make it. But I, I, I wanted her take on something, um, so I'm going to try to explain it. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you guys if, if before I say what I want, what I, what Lisa was going to say, have has anybody been experiencing any um, struggles in relationships um, this past week or so? And, and when I say relationships, I don't only mean love relationships, but I mean relationships in general hmm. with friends, bosses, <clears throat> you know, employees, employers, um, brothers, sisters, whomever. Not any really love unusual. No, um, anyone, uh, Julie? No, not Friends. really. I wish I, you know, I, I want to say yes to make this an interesting <laughs> conversation, but <laughs> it's pretty calm. You, you <laughs> Everything's know, the yeah, reason why I asked was I've been getting a lot of calls um, from people who are who are having sudden breakups and just like and and these aren't the types of things where we're you know we're like I was talking about last week or the week before where you know relationships really are crappy and then suddenly you know uh, the guy goes off and finds somebody else these are solid relationships people that I have been counseling and working with. Um, for extended periods of time, who end up having these very quick breakups. I mean, just immediate change of hearts. And, at, you know, at the beginning, I, I wasn't really even paying attention to it, but this week I've been struggling with certain relationships as well, friendships. Um, so I asked Lisa about it, and basically what she told me was on March 10th, um, Mars ended that three-month retrograde that it was at, mm-hmm. and um she is she's seeing it in her work as well and what often happens is once the energy is released when it's no longer retrograde um if people have been holding in things it sort of has to explode in a way 
and things like, you know, arguments or breakups and things of that nature um, end up occurring, you know, shortly thereafter once it's not going retrograde anymore. I'm sure she would have explained it a little bit more, um, you know, uh, in more detail or more in a more um, detailed way, but in essence that's what she told me because I have to say in the past two weeks um, an ex- exorbitant amount of my clients that were in, and I don't know that any relationship is solid, but that were in pretty steady you know, good relationships have had um, struggles that were beyond anything that they've ever had before. It just seems the past couple of weeks have been really difficult. Or maybe it's just my clients. Maybe if there's this uh, Mars retrograde on Lady Fontaine's clients <laughs> <laughs> and friends. <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting, and I wanted to talk to Lisa about it a little, a little bit because I didn't, I didn't know if any of our listeners or um, you know, co-hosts were having it, but at least you guys are safe from it, so that's good. At least the <laughs> Lady Fontaine curse isn't following the co-hosts. Well, when is oh. this supposed to go until? Hopefully, <laughs> well, I think because long. it's releasing now, right, it right, be, it should be sort of working itself out, right. But you know, I wasn't really paying. Not that I couldn't. I, it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention, but when it started hitting some of my relationships. Um, I took notice of it. I really, right. really did. I just found it interesting, you know. And, and and again, these were not new clients that I didn't know the history of the relationships. These were people that, you know, worked hard at relationships and staying together, or had pretty healthy relationships, all things considered. That right. just had either sudden breakups or very unusual kinds of explosions in in their relationships so it's it's interesting i'm glad that nobody else is dealing with it and hopefully it will pass quickly according to lisa you know it should it's just a matter of if you've been holding things in um it has to release it has to release so it's releasing now (laughs) so hopefully hopefully the listeners out there aren't experiencing what didn't one of our guests predict that a few months ago that March 10th was going to be a major, major change in the world. He even said something about possible terrorist threats, and I've heard that the NYPD is stepping up the defense since uh, they, they had some problems in the subway in Moscow. And, uh, oh, you know, that this was good call, worse yeah. Than, yeah, than, than the uh, 2012 December uh, 21st prediction. Well, that's Ray Setti who gave us that prediction. Actually, the date he had given us for that was March 22nd because Joanna, our other co-host, our guest co-host, Jan- Joanna Sanchez, um, her folks were traveling around that date, and we rechecked in with uh, Ray to get clearance from him of good dates for them to travel. Um, so I was very in tune to that date, and he basically had a very high concern for terrorist attacks. In fact, I did try to get him to join us on the show this evening, um, but I asked him too late, and he had to get up too early tomorrow morning, so wasn't able to join us. Well, but, look at all the earthquakes we've been having uh, I know. lately. That's scary. South Carolina is having a whole plan for an earthquake, like they're anticipating one. Well, I'm going to state uh, meetings about that and everything. I'm hoping to get somebody on the show to talk about all this stuff. Frank and I offline had a conversation about, you know, um, some of the earth. um, uh, Shifting. Yeah, and then things that are going on. And there's a whole science behind it. There's a science and a sub-science, but there's a very strong science about it. Um, And I I do want to get somebody on the show. I mean, I'd like to get Ray Setti back on the show on the same day 
that we have these other, you know, scientists, because it would be interesting to see both sides, um, a psychic's um, ability to predict, you know, things, because obviously a terrorist attack isn't something that we could sit there and, you know, look at the Earth's um, magnetic field or anything like that and do a projection. But, you know, it would be interesting to see how those things line up between, um, you know, Earth changes and, and, you know, I mean, the weather, the, between the weather that we've been having, um, the earthquakes that we've been having, I mean, how, how many typhoons were there in the past year? And prior to, you know, the past year or so, I've never heard about, I mean, how often do you hear a typhoon? I've probably heard about three in my entire life. seems like there was 50 of them last year. It certainly seems that way, and you know, but the same magnetic forces in the earth that affect uh, the weather and the earth itself affect good people, bad people, terrorists. Uh, you know, I don't think those things are an accident, too. If you want to accept that there's outside forces affecting the earth, you have to uh, accept that it affects us. When you think of it, our percentage of water and land, our percentage of water is like 70%. The same as the earth. Right. We are composed the same as the Earth. Right, and that's why the moon has such an effect on us, such a tremendous effect on us. But I do, I mean, it's a fascinating subject, and I do want to get, um, you know, people who are um, more familiar, obviously, than, than we are on the geological, you know, um, perspective of the Earth and the Earth changes, as well as getting people who really understand um, some of the predictions for uh, December 21st, 2012, and, um, you know, some of the earth changes that they're expecting, or that could. That, there's so many theories out there. I mean, who knows, the planet X or, you know, the um, polar shift. I mean, I, I don't know that we know. And Frank and I had a discussion on this because I actually went, Frank, are you still around? Are you I'm on the here. phone? Yeah. Um, I did look at that NASA site, and actually three planets are lined up in a straight line on that date. In, in a straight line? Yes. Uh, but not on a vector straight between the sun and ourselves, though. Well, I that's, couldn't That's what, like, I'm sorry, the, the movie no, I and such we were talking about. Well, I, I couldn't get the view on NASA to even show me which planets they were. I mean, it was Earth and something else. I don't know if it was the sun and moon or I don't know what it was. Um, I, I couldn't get, there was like different views and really the different views weren't working for that date for whatever reason. Um, but, it, well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully we'll get somebody on another night and, you know, they could help fill us in with some of the details as far as what to expect. But I'm glad that, uh, Dr. Cirillo, I'm glad that you mentioned um, Ray Setti, because he did make that prediction about March being troublesome for, for terrorist attacks. I did not hear that there was a subway issue going on in Moscow. Did that happen this week? Oh, I'm not sure if it happened this week, but I heard that the NYPD stepped up their readiness for to protect the New York City subway. There's all sorts of uh, Hercules forces and regular uh, police in the subway because they fear a terrorist threat wow. to the subway. Wow. Yeah, well, that's been made for a long time because they know a lot of people ride the subway, so that, if anything, it's going to stop a lot of people from traveling. Right. right. Some of it is fear. That can be a greater weapon than, than one particular attack. Having oh, bingo. Fear I mean, that's why, they, you know, that's why they do it. You know, for the fear factor, obviously. Well, guys, this is, this, is, this is great, but we have a mailbag question that I have here. 
Uh, How would you guys like me to read one of these letters and uh, get your feedback on it? We would love it. All right. Well, here we go. This first one is from Paula, and it goes as such. Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo, I'm 26 years old, in my third serious relationship. In my past, I've struggled with a ton of shallow crushes, maybe five or ten. I would obsess over a guy and fantasize until reality set in, and then I realized it would not work. The relationship I'm in right now is the only time I've ever gotten to know a guy first before developing feelings for him. Sam is everything I would want in a guy, everything I could want in a guy. He's incredibly loyal, genuine, trustworthy, understanding, considerate, and affectionate, not to mention handsome, too. He's 28 years old, and we have very similar backgrounds and beliefs. I know this relationship can go somewhere far. We have amazingly open communication, and we are very compatible. The relationship has become serious really quickly. We have been dating for over five months. The downside is we live almost six hours away from each other, and it's a long-distance relationship. That's the clincher there. I add that in. We see each other at least two times a month, for at least a weekend, sometimes longer. While we are apart, we've been receiving a lot of unwanted attention, or I have, excuse me, been receiving a lot of unwanted attention from males at work and play. I've basically ignored all but one of these advancements. His name is Dennis. He's incredibly attractive and shares similar beliefs. He's a caring person, which contrasts the other shallow crushes of my past. He says he has genuine feelings for me, but I'm in a relationship. I'm confused. I think that at times I'm afraid of commitment with Sam, even though I do really care about him, and I know this relationship is substantial. I'm not ready to settle down and be married. Sam doesn't, does talk about marriage, and I know he wants to get married and have a family. It's really nice to have the stability, but I don't feel ready, and I feel so guilty about my attraction towards Dennis. Is it possible to maintain a friendship with Dennis? Should I? Is that cheating? I have a tendency to be flighty, and I want to make things work out with Sam because it is good for us both, but I'm not sure I can make a forever commitment right now, she says. I'm not sure what I should do. It scares me, but I don't want to run away from a good thing, only to regret it later. This is selfish of me. I can't get Dennis out of my mind, but I don't want to lead him on and hurt him also. Any insight would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, um, I have a bunch of thoughts on this. Um, I want to address what I feel in energy, and then I'm going to let um, Dr. Cirillo address some of these other issues. But... First, I want to say that, you know, both Paula and Sam actually have really great energy. I mean, when I, when I feel their energy individually and when I feel what it feels like when their energies overlap in a relationship, it actually feels very, very nice. Um, and, and I feel that Sam's feelings are very, very genuine. And I can see why that Sam is already talking about marriage and things of that nature because of the way. I mean, not all energies fit together the way theirs are fitting together um but but you know it it just does with this particular relationship but you know paula says that she isn't ready for a committed relationship and i feel that very very strongly in her in her energy i mean she says that she's had three serious relationships or this is the third serious relationship when i look at her energy honestly um it 
this feels like the first serious relationship that she's been in. I just don't feel the other ones were anywhere near as substantial as this. And I, I have a bit of a concern from a logical standpoint that they really don't know each other that well. They're getting to know a, a you know, fantasy of who the other person is because they're not spending really enough time with each other and they're not having the day-to-day um, you know, struggles and, and situations that, you know, you, you encounter when you're with somebody on a, on a, on a very regular basis. Um, I do definitely feel inner energy, that fear of commitment. Um, and I feel, you know, in her heart, she's still a party girl. I mean, I really don't feel she's anywhere near ready to settle down. Um, the image that I, I get of her, you know, is, is really going out, partying, dancing, you know, and having a grand old time. Um, to me, even though she says she's been together with him for, I think she said, six months, um, to me the relationship feels spanking brand new. It's, it's like on a scale of one to ten, as far as how well they know each other, to me it feels like it's a two or a three. Um, you know, um, I, you know, to me it feels like, um, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that this is going to end up leading to marriage on, on either one of their parts. Um, I, it just feels more like a fantasy to me than, than actual reality. Um, but to answer her question about cheating, um, having, obviously having a male friend isn't cheating, but flirting and having a crush on one man while dating or being involved with another one certainly isn't setting up the best foundation for a relationship. Um, I kind of feel that Paulette will proceed with getting to know Dennis, um, and but I feel in the long run that that's just going to end up being another one of her crushes. Um, Dr. Cirillo, what do, what do you what's your take on this? Yeah, it seems like Sam, in a sense, he might be more committed than she is if he's talking about marriage, but they haven't made any practical move to. Uh, bridge the the physical gap between them you know if they were to get married let's say or live together one of them would have to change locations change jobs and possibly she's still at the state where at the stage of her life where she's working on some of these other issues and she wants to flirt around and she doesn't really have that many people in her life that uh, she's had the kind of romantic experience that would really be serious so I think Dennis's appearance at this time really isn't an accident I think him being there and her feeling an interest is a sign that she might not be ready for Sam and maybe neither Sam nor Dennis are going to be the ultimate right person but I would say she should give it a shot there's nothing wrong with dating a few different people especially if one is further away if they're both in the same town it's kind of hard but uh, eventually uh, she she's probably you know if Sam pressures her she's going to have to have to make a decision. My sense is he's he's maintaining the fantasy too, and maybe in two or three years they'll know if they're right for each other, and then they'll make moves to bridge the gap. Otherwise, she'll get on with Dennis or somebody else. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that. I do. You know, I mean they have great energy, but I'm just not feeling um, the potential right now. I, I I agree. I don't feel either one of them are really ready to embark on this journey for anything more serious than what they have. But, you know, yeah. I guess time will tell. I mean, you know, Paula, we do welcome you to keep in touch with us and let us know how things pan out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think she feels too pretty and too popular to sit home on the weekend <laughs> waiting for Sam, who's six hours away. And, and now, they've, now sometimes when you have a man, suddenly you project a different image and everybody's interested. 
Yeah. And when you're alone, true. nobody is. That's Thanks true. Thanks for saying No, I think you hit on something there, uh, Jean. Um, uh-huh. Well, there's the old adage that if you don't, if you want something bad enough, you'll do it, and that doesn't really leave much room for the indecisive and forgetful, as to, as uh, as Paula says. I myself am flighty, flighty as hell sometimes. In this situation, however, I feel like the lack of physical presence of her, of of um, and and this guy, her her would be mate, that could be part of the appeal. I mean, too often people settle into these long distance relationships because of how flexible and free they are. But if you truly love the person, the comfort of freedom. It shouldn't be the settling point, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the feeling that Paula is purposely putting herself, that's a lot of peas, uh, in the situation, in this specific situation that she's in, to test how much she cares about this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Paula, if, if I'm completely off base, but it seems like you're testing how much you want to be with this guy, given the detriment of the distance, perhaps out of the whole fear of commitment thing that people go through. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through that. But the problem with, test, uh, with testing things is... Sometimes you fail, and people aren't ready for that. Sometimes, such like this case, you, you do find an alternative, and you, uh, you do find another way uh, than you thought things were, or, or the way that you wanted to prove them to be is, is, isn't the case. In the end, I mean, any relationship, long distance or otherwise, it shouldn't be this much work. I mean, I feel like I'm echoing what I said before, uh, but if you're, if you're not ready, then you're not ready, and it doesn't sound like Paula's ready. So no matter what, I mean, when she said work and play, uh, that kind of sounded like a cute way of saying going go to the duck club. Um, and and uh, it sounds like she's opening. She's open. Her receptors are open to pick up on other guys. And that's why the guys are attracted to her. I, I agree with that. And, and she had said somewhere along the way that she sort of dealt with all the unwanted attention except the one. I mean, she's obviously leaving this door open. I think you and Dr. Cirillo both really pegged it, saying, in essence, that she has created this opportunity. I mean, it didn't just happen. I don't believe in coincidence. Um, it didn't just happen. I mean, it's either a test or she's created it for herself um, to challenge her own, you know, ability either to stay, stay true to Sam or to stay true to what seems to be her track record of having these, you know, um, crushes that she has. And, you know, it seems that, you know, and when I'm reading her energy too, these crushes don't even feel like they manifest into a relationship. They feel more like fantasy on her part um, rather than, you know, people that she has a crush on and then, you know, starts to start to date and then feel, oh, this guy isn't half of what I thought he would be or whatever. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of them don't even go that far with her. Well, sometimes your crushes are almost deliberately on fantasy, like Carl Jung's theory. I always liked that the best, that we fall in love with a fantasy, and when the time is right, we project it onto a likely face. And sometimes the <laughs> fantasy could be a crush, a teacher, a celebrity, somebody who is safely unavailable. Mm. Because if that person became available, we'd have to deal with them as a real human being. Right. So, awesome. so that could That's be part of this, too, yeah. You know, I see that, believe it or not, in a lot of long-distance relationships um, in people that I work with, you know, with either coaching or from a psychic perspective. Um, you know, where the, 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 the people really build up this fantasy, and then it seems like they're almost um, fighting against taking it really into real life because it's almost like, you know, you meet the person or you start spending time with the person or you start dealing with real-life experiences and it doesn't 
doesn't measure up to the fantasy. I mean, the fantasy you could always control and always have a happy ending. In real life, it doesn't always work that way. I have a question regarding this. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this email was sent to you out of uh, basic curiosity, wanting to know what to do, or perhaps out of guilt because she doesn't want him, but she sees how great he is? And um, how on paper, how wonderful he is that she yeah. should want him. She should want to just throw everything down. How, how much does guilt factor into uh, these decisions? Well, I, I, I don't know if it's guilt as much as trying to convince herself that he is really a good catch and that, you know, potentially if she walks away from it, I feel deep down, and I think she even said it in her email to me, that she knows she's going to have regrets. But she's, you know, if you're not, that's not good, that's truly not a good enough reason to stay in a relationship, especially if the guy wants to take it further. Um, but, you know, I, that's an interesting question, Frank. I, you know, it, it very likely could be a little bit of both. And it's also the exact th opposite of your, uh, your thought of the day. <laughs> To point that out. Well, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Um, Doctor, well, what do you think about guilt as far as well? This, you know, this sometimes when you really kind of want to do something, but you're not sure it's right, you you ask another person, an advice columnist, somebody who's detached enough that you can project almost anything onto them, and you say, "Well, I asked Lady Fontaine, and they told me this." You ask a third party, hoping they'll tell you what you already want to hear. Especially if it's different from what your uh, boyfriend or your parent or somebody's telling you, it's like, mm. well, say, okay, Lady Fontaine and Doctor Cirillo, we're your mama, and we're telling you this, and you know, then you kind of have backing for what you wanted to do. I think she's putting her, she's trying to get like corroboration, in mm. other words. That, mm. That's my take on. No, it. and that's a very good point. That that absolutely is. So it's probably a combination of all of the above. And actually, Paula, why don't you shoot us an email and, and tell us your feelings on that, um, if you're aware of it. You know, my gut feeling is um, you, you've made, I feel you've made the choices already to pursue things with Dennis. So I'd be curious to know how things work out. Yeah, we can't always do what our higher uh, parts of our mind tell us, kind of like, well, this man is a good catch. I should love him. I always say if we could always if we could all choose the person who we were going to love and settle down with, probably things would be a lot better. But uh, that doesn't happen, and often we 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 feel that you know I should want this person. That's the right person for me, but I'm not ready now, or I I don't feel the same attraction to him, and and that's when we look around and we we stay open and and we find other people. Right, or make excuses because she's not ready. You know, and exactly. has to open and has to open a door or create for herself, as I think Frank and you said, another um, possibility. So this way, she can shift her focus from Sam onto someone else. So yeah, it's an interesting question. And you know, again, Paula, we invite you to keep us posted and let us know how things go. Um, Frank, do we have any other mailbag questions for today? Uh, I'm looking here. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Um, okay. That's all, all I have on the screen right in front of me, at least. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I was muted for a minute. Um, I have a friend who actually wrote me a letter knowing that I would be on the show tonight. She couldn't listen because she's out of the country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, 
if you want, we can do hers. Oh, terrific. Um, I know that we taped these. Well, she will listen to the playback. Uh, that would so, be great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she can hear it any time online. Exactly. And she knows that I do this show, and she's familiar with both of you. So oh, good. So she wrote it out because she's been going – it's been troublesome for her. She just went through a breakup. Okay. So let me read this to you. Now, do you need names? Is it better for you to have names? For me, I do need names, yes. Okay. Um, she didn't put the names in her letter, but I happen to know her name is Sherry. Okay. Um, okay. Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo, I'm a 38-year-old woman who finally met the man I thought I was going to marry. After literally 20 years of dating unavailable men, I finally met someone who seemed ready for a real relationship leading to marriage. We met about a year ago, and things happened pretty fast. By the summer, we were traveling to Europe together. After our trip to Europe, I felt like he was backing off a little, but I, as I had learned, I led him and didn't push, even though I was ready to take this to the next level. Even while backing off, he still consistently told me he had never met anyone like me and was in love with me. I got to the point where I was ready to break up with him because he couldn't guarantee that this would lead to marriage, and I'm 38 and wanting marriage and children but he wasn't ready to let me go. We ended up going to couples counseling. After three weeks of couples counseling, we decided to take a full month apart to explore what we both really wanted. I was sure this month off would be great for us and he would realize he couldn't live without me. Instead, after a month, he told me he loves me but wants to be alone. So now we're broken up and I'm devastated. I truly believe that he is in love with me and because of his past, he can't take relationships to the next level he's 38 as well and has not been able to have a relationship for more than six months do you see him coming back do you think that there is really a problem in his past or do you think someone else will come into my life that's better for me um do you know what his first name is todd todd okay um dr cirillo do you want to go first while i'm connecting with the energy well, okay, while you're connecting S and T, Sherry and Todd, uh, you know, the sense I'm getting too is that sometime, sometimes, especially women who, who don't have any kids and who are in their, in their late, mid to late 30s, sometimes almost anybody starts to seem like the right person as they start to feel a sense of desperation, which is real biologically. Our clock doesn't last for a lifetime as, as a man's clock does to, to make children. And, you know, the, it's amazing how the people who are not acceptable to us in our 20s when we have so many choices suddenly become acceptable later on. And she has to think, does she want this person just uh, for the idea of having a family, or does she really want uh, him? I, you know, I'm getting more of a sense that uh, almost anybody who's willing to make a commitment, she's now seeing as, as a good person, even if it doesn't last. That the idea of having children and and at least having the marriage is acceptable. I mean, that's okay. She could have. She could uh, pursue having a child on her own or adopting or. But, you know, a lot of people still want the real family. I, I think that's more of the motivation here. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any real deep love, but she just doesn't want to waste any more time. You know, and it's interesting because um, I, I, I agree and I disagree in a way. Let me tell you what I'm picking up. Okay, you're um, feeling something stronger. That's good if that's really there. Well, and if you guys have questions, because I know her, I can okay. probably, you know, I can answer certain questions. Okay, well... What I feel regarding um, 
what I kind of want to say, the connection or, I don't know, there's a feeling what I call, you know, heart-to-heart kind of feeling. And it feels to me very, very genuine and very, very real. That being said, and, and Julie, I don't know if you know this, so you could, you could validate it or, or verify it or confirm it if you do know. At times it feels uh, almost like a tug-of-war between the two of them, almost as if they're going in totally different directions. Do you know if that's true? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, but and, and in a way that for, for them, for both of them, actually for her more than him in this particular situation, it almost somehow confirms something. It validates it to her in a way. And, 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 and it's an interesting feeling, but somehow that makes her feel stronger about him. Dr. Cirillo, um, from a psychological standpoint, what's behind that? Do you know? I mean, obviously you know, but are you... Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm asking? Uh, not really. You're saying there's something about him that makes her feel better about herself? No. There's something about the fact that they're not smooth sailing that's drawing her closer and making her hold on tighter. Okay, so she feels that, that she's not really good enough to be married, to have a family, to find the right man, and... Because he seems inappropriate and distant, it's not that she likes it, but it's that old repetition where this is this is me, this is what I usually attract, and uh, you know she's holding on to him more because he's not that available. Mm, I'm shaking my head. I think you nailed it with that. Um, yeah. And I feel that's kind of what's going on here, even though I do feel very genuine feelings. It just doesn't feel. Remember how I said earlier with with um, Sam and Paula, the way their energies overlap beautifully, even though to me it felt like they neither one were really ready, but somehow their energies overlap. Well, yeah. this one overlaps in a very grainy way where it really rubs against each other. It doesn't have a harmonious feel. So my gut feeling is they're really not right for, for each other, but there is this attraction in some of this not being able to have the other person. I mean, we always want something we, we can't have. You know, um, that might be an aspect of her personality, but I think at 38, she's now wanting to hurry up and get over that because at 18, at 28, she could do that. She could be attracted to people she couldn't have, and there was something about the chase that fed into her needs. But now if she does that, she's saying, am I going to be alone without without a relationship, and more importantly, without children for the rest of my life. So now she's, she's saying, I better, I better deal with this quickly. It's not okay to have the inappropriate person and be chasing them like it might have been at 18. Well, even though she, she said in her letter, um, you know, is, is he coming back or is there anybody else out there for me, I'm feeling the much stronger pull in her energy towards is he coming back. Um, Julie, do you know yeah. that, if that's true? Um, I mean, as far as her wanting that more than being able, than really starting all over with someone else. Oh, yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I want to say that I don't really feel that they have fully run their course, but even with him stepping back into her life, it doesn't feel to me it's going to take off and go anywhere different than it's been going. Right. Um, he certainly doesn't feel... Um, ready to take any giant leaps in a relationship. I feel more fear on his part. Um, I, I feel, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, a lot of stuff. Do you, do you know his history? 
I mean, if I started mentioning anything about past relationships, do you know anything about I know about a little that? bit, yes. Um, I'm feeling two major relationships in his life that, um, you know, and I know you said he doesn't stay in relationships longer than six months or something of that nature, but these actually feel longer, and, and perhaps it was on and off. Perhaps he um, had a slow start and they were in, in a different, you know, maybe not officially dating for a while, but it feels like, people that were in his life for certainly longer than six months. Right. But, I think but, that many, many years ago that is a possibility. Mm. I think that maybe it's just been in the last few years that he hasn't been able to have a relationship more mm. than six months or the last even like five to ten years, but maybe even maybe a relationship in college affected him, maybe a relationship in high school, who knows. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I do feel, and I feel two relationships really kind of just got him where he he – he likes the companionship. He likes the beginning parts of getting to know somebody, but he doesn't like the real stuff. Of uh, well, it's not that he doesn't like it, but that's where he gets scared and he 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 really pulls away. The man, even because there is a, a real nice attraction and some genuine feelings between the two of them, he is. I feel he will step forward, but never consistently, and never um, wanting to take this seriously any further unfortunately right. it just doesn't have that feel to me to answer the part is she going to meet someone else um what i would urge her is that cherry needs to do her work and get herself over this guy because a rebound relationship is never going to work and that's not what she's really looking for either because i really feel a sincere desire on her part to meet the right person for her Mm-hmm. Um, so she will draw on that person when she's ready. To me, it feels many, many months uh, in the future. I would say what I'm seeing right now, September, October, November, at the very earliest, most likely it's going to be the early part of 2011. I would say, without, I would say right now, without a doubt, before um, March or April of 2011, um, but sort of like that window that I see opening up for her is the fall into the fall of this year into the spring of next year when she'll meet somebody who's going to be very, very compatible with her and for her um, who's more ready. Um, from a law of attraction standpoint, if she's drawing in somebody who is so unready to be involved in a long-term committed relationship, then the place for her to look is where? Right. Within herself because otherwise she would not have drawn in that person and been so attracted to that person and want to hold on to that person so much. If it wasn't mirroring what she was feeling inside, then she would just go next and move on. And then that would not have been um, really a reflection of what's going on inside of her. That would have been one of the situations where it doesn't really mirror, so there's nothing to attract. Mm-hmm. You know, but Isn't it, it amazing how we attract the same inappropriate but intense kind of people crowded rooms, uh, you know, the same kind of problem that you had your whole life. It's like you keep finding until you you work at it and work at it, the repetition compulsion. But it it is amazing how out of a group of hundreds of people in a crowd, two people will find the same person again and again and again in a different (laughs) body. I recognize it in myself, and I recognize it with all my friends. They all do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, until we work through the things that are, you know, um, are are ingrained within us, um, we're never going to be able to attract anything different. I mean, that's why I always say to my clients, be it, you know, mostly to my my coaching clients, 
that so many people say, oh, I don't want to deal with my past. You know, the past is the past. I want to deal with the now. But the truth of the matter is your past will haunt you and is really controlling your life until you start dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And that actually will help free yourself. I mean, Dr. Cirillo's approach and my approach are, I'm sure, very similar yet different. Um, uh, you know, for typical psychotherapy, um, you know, the you're usually not doing that much of the talking, right? You know, I mean, with my, psycho, my psychology background, I would more listen to the clients mm-hmm. and just sort of guide them along. Anybody who's done yeah. coaching with me knows that <laughs> I'm talking a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm feeling from a psychic perspective as well as understanding where and how to guide a person, um, but I'm still letting them discover the things that they need to discover. But my, my, my system is like a crash course. Um, I need like three or four sessions with somebody to really get them zoned in on the things that they need to deal with. And, you know, Dr. Cirillo, if you had a patient that, you know, went from zero to 60 in three or four sessions, that would be pretty remarkable, right? Well, you know, psychotherapy today is pretty directive. It's not analytic and long-term the way it used to be, and most people don't want that. They they just want to get through a particular crisis. So it turns into crisis management and coaching, and a few people stick around and make real uh, solid personality changes, but that's up to them. Most of them leave after the crisis. Oh, really? So it really yeah. has changed. In the, when mm-hmm. when did this new paradigm? Well, probably with managed care. You know, when, uh, uh, they, they, there's only certain amounts that are covered by insurance and People have so many other things to do. Mostly everybody's working and overwhelmed anyway. So uh, once the pain of the problem is less than the pain of finding the solution, that's enough for them. The few lucky people that stick around for two or three years with psychotherapy, they're the ones that make the major character and personality changes. But unless you're really in a lot of pain or you're very psychologically minded, most people don't have the patience to stick around for that. Right. And even that, you know, two or three years sounds pretty quick. It is pretty quick. But I'm saying in order to make any real change in the way you approach things, yeah. uh, you know, in your basic style, it has to be at least a few years. Now, I mean, there's no harm. You know, the good thing about I remember going into our field, a teacher said the worst that will happen is you'll have no effect. It's not like you're doing surgery where you could botch it up and make somebody worse. You know, therapy, uh, psychic uh, readings really could be in the same category at a different level. It's It's kind of like going to college. It's something new that will either help or it won't help, but... Certainly, it's it's to your advantage to uh, to have this outside uh, person who's somewhat neutral, has nothing to gain or lose, and 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 who helps you reflect what's going on inside you. But not everybody is willing to invest even the time in that. Right, and and yet other people, you know, I feel like the idea of having someone to talk to. Mhm, mhm. I have a yeah, I have a few of those as clients, and and. Yeah, they are the ones that do. You do see major personality changes where they say, like, five years ago I would have gone ballistic when this happened. Now I step back and I look. And, you know, they really handle interpersonal problems and deep-rooted kind of psychological uh, issues. They handle them differently. But that doesn't happen in a few sessions. But most people aren't able or or willing or or motivated to uh, go that additional route. Right. No, that's, that's very, very true. Um, 
Frank, do we have any other mailbag questions for tonight? Oh, there's one here. It's uh, it's it's, it's short. You, you know, let me read it. It's anonymous. Um, it says, I am at my breaking point. My job takes me all around the country. My wife and I have been on the rocks, it seems, since we were first married. Mm-hmm. Because I'm away so often, she's constantly suspecting me of cheating. We have a three-month-old son who is my world, but I'm afraid we may have had him in an attempt to fix our marriage. Mm-hmm. I would give my life for my son, but my wife and I are becoming more and more distant. What can I do to fix the problem when I don't even know what it is? Mm-hmm. Pretty tragic. <laughs> yeah, and it's not uncommon, unfortunately. Yeah. It just isn't uncommon. You know, having a child, um, and, and I hear this often, that, you know, pe- people end up having children uh, um, either intentionally or by accident, and they love their children, um, but it doesn't in any way save a, a relationship. It's not a way to build a foundation. I mean, people can stay in a relationship um, and just go through the motions for, you know, 18 or 20 years, or they can choose to work out some agreement, you know, for child custody or whatever and move on. Yeah, he's afraid he's going to lose uh, the custody and he's going to lose the child. And, That's and, what he's afraid right. of, especially since he has to travel a lot. It's not like the wife has to travel and he stays home. I'm wondering why this couple got married in the first place. I mean, if she wasn't pregnant and then later on they got pregnant, but it sounds like from the beginning she resented his job and the fact that it puts him in possible contact with other women. Mm. And he doesn't even say whether he is attracted to other people or whether there's some basis for his suspicion or whether it would be practical to get a transfer or something that would keep them home if you really want to work on the relationship. You know, I mean, I feel that's always a good starting point, but then to be realistic if you know in your heart of hearts that it could never work um, because then you're not being true to yourself, you know. And, and um, you know, in his particular situation, because he travels a lot, you know, in, and he didn't say how old his child was either. Um, did he say three months? Did he uh, say? He says uh, we have a three-month-old oh, son. Oh, oh, wow! Yeah, infant. Oh, god. Um, yeah, see, and that's that's tough. I mean, he's not equipped to to take care of the child with him being on the road so much. And so, for the immediate future, it almost sounds like um, his best bet is to um, you know not leave right now and you know i guess that's a choice there's no right answer here it doesn't feel to me that the marriage um has the potential of turning around and suddenly being the idyllic you know um dream marriage it doesn't have that feel at all to me but you know it could it be tolerable for a while i mean see i don't believe in doing that you know staying in a situation that doesn't honor you, but in this particular situation, what are his options? Well, he still has a right to see the child, even if he and the wife split up. Uh, obviously, he's unlikely to get custody and to have as much access to the child as, as he did when he's home with the wife, but then he's not home that much anyway, so he might get uh, more in terms of visitation. Uh, you know, Nobody is is going to be deprived of seeing their child. No, that I, I agree with. Use the child. But, but it's a matter of how would he even find the time if he's on the road so much. That's how does he find the time is. to see his wife? And, and now he'd only have to see one of them. 
Yeah, yeah <laughs> so but you have I, to see her obviously to see the child. But that would be enforced in, legally. That, right. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there's an answer, and he the person didn't give a name, so I, um, I I don't know that there's an easy answer for this. This is the kind of thing that he has to follow his own heart. You know, if he feels that the relationship has fully run its course, uh, as Dr. Cirillo was saying, there are legal, um, you know, avenues to go through. I mean, he's going to be entitled to having custody of this child. Um, They're having I, visitation. I mean, people oh, are right, together right. all the time, and they're not even married, and they both get to see the child, and one has physical custody. Uh, you know, in this case, they're married, but it's almost like they're distant. They're not married, you right. know. So there are. this is written into the law. There is a protocol for this. Right, right. Um, I just um, feel that from from his perspective, he's concerned because he is on the road so much, how is he even going to find the time to see his child? And, um, you know, who's going to take care of the child when when he can't, you know, when he's on the road? So I feel those are factors that he's going to have to sort of figure out as mm-hmm. part of, you know, the choices that he makes. But um, the, the quality of the relationship I don't feel is going to change significantly. No. I just don't feel anything. It just feels, you know, very mundane and very ordinary. It just doesn't ring true to me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and, I would and they agree feel, on that. And they feel to me to be just like almost for a newly married, you know, for a young couple that's newly married or relatively newly married, um, it just feels to me like, you know, they're totally going in different directions. It just doesn't feel like there's continuity in the relationship at all. So I would agree. Um, Mr. Anonymous, thank you very much for your for your question. And um, you know, if you want to send us a follow up email with any additional questions, feel free to do that, and we'll see if we can answer um, you know any additional questions that you may have. Um, Frank, uh, is that it for tonight with the mailbag questions? That's it for the mailbag, and that's it for me as well. Oh, you've got to leave. Indeed, I do. Okay. Well. Oh, you're quite the celebrity on your own show. I see it's doing very well, The Invisible World. Yes, uh, it is. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Tonight we're doing our uh, campfire show where we read the uh, ghost stories and different encounter stories of the listeners. And we got a whole bunch of doozies there. So everyone listening, go go download it later. It'll be up right after the show, okay? Well, and I will be on the show um, at around 1 a.m., so save the good stories for a little bit later tonight. <laughs> there may or may not be shadow people involved, so Ooh. that one's special for you. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, tempt uh, me. <laughs> well, good night, everyone. It's All right, great. good night, Frank. Good night, we're, we're sticking around here because we have, um, we have a few callers on the line that we want to get to your calls, and we still have a bunch of advice that we want to give. So um, let's get started. And before we start taking your relationship questions on the air, um, I wanted to talk about with you, Dr. Cirillo, the best ways to keep your partner interested and focused on you. Um, Do you have any tips that you can share with our listeners as far as really how to keep the magic alive in a relationship? Well, uh, you know, you have to continue to do what you were doing at the beginning of a relationship. 
Yeah, a lot of people settle in and they say, okay, you know, I paid my dues. I I made myself look good. Uh, You know, we went out a lot. We did this. Uh, And then in the case, I I bought little gifts for the other person. I sent them little notes. And, you know, now I don't have to pay attention and work on the relationship anymore. And they wonder why it starts to deteriorate to a situation like uh, we were just describing where one was away all the time and, there wasn't any feeling. So whenever you want to get back on track, it's like return to the basics. Do what you do on your first, second, and third dates to keep the other person interested. Keep looking good. Keep interested. Keep interesting with with your own things that are going on. You know, don't neglect the flowers and the candy and the nice dinner. As as corny as it sounds, people miss those things when they when they used to have them and they don't have them anymore. Treat every day like it's a new relationship. And that's the best way to keep yourself interested and to keep your partner interested in you. Don't get slack and, and, and just, you know, kinda of let it run itself. I agree. I think that that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And I I always feel that um, the best way to keep a relationship going strong is to have good communication. And that's not – good communication isn't a grunt, you know, with somebody says, how are you feeling? Fine. Or what do you want? Nothing. You know, or something like that. That's not good communication. You know, if somebody says, how is your day? You know, share something. If, you know, what's bothering you, share something. Um, try not to let things build up inside of you so that you end up having the explosions or you end up shutting down emotionally. Um, to me, you know, I, I see three main um, components as being so critical to keeping relationships, to actually um, having a relationship and keeping the rela- relationship in line. And for me, it's chemistry, um, communication, and I can't think of the third one. So when I think of it, I'll let you go. <laughs> the three, it sounds like three C's, commitment, yeah, three C's. Uh, um, chemistry, communication. Uh, what's another C? Uh, connection. Connection. Yeah, caring, <laughs> connection. Okay, right. all right. Well, I mean, to me, those are like in, important component parts. You know, some people just connect really well and flow well together. I had friends, when very close friends, that were both, um, very, very strong personalities, and they were a struggle. I used to sit there and watch them. It was almost like watching a comedy act because they were always vying for that control position in the relationship. And those kinds of relationships are really, really tough. When you have somebody, you know, if you're a very, if you're a very strong personality and you hook up with somebody who will give you that power, who willingly turns it over to you, those, I, those kinds of relationships I feel are... Are, are have the most potential and are the strongest because you're not vying for that top position. Do you agree with that, Dr. Cirillo? Yeah, I mean, if the relationship becomes a constant competition or a struggle, then, then it's like the other person, instead of being part of the solution, they're part of the problem. Mm. So, yeah, you have to be comfortable in the relationship. You have to be comfortable with sometimes them having a little more because you love them and and it's like they're a part of you. So if they have something, it's not taken from you. It's given to you. Mm. And then sometimes you can have a little bit more. If uh, you're constantly struggling, yeah, it's, it's not a good relationship. No, it's tough. And that's, you know, finding that right person 
where the chemistry is right, the connection is right. I mean, to have a tug-of-war or a battle in everything that you say or to be at so total opposite ends of the universe with, with your beliefs rarely works in a relationship. I mean, I find the most successful relationships are when fundamentally you have similar, you know, beliefs, similar morals. There are some very basic um, fundamentals that you align with in a relationship. You know, if you believe um, um, something is right and your partner feels that same thing is wrong and you don't line up in that way with key issues in your life, a relationship is really, really tough. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, if you can agree to disagree in a healthy way and it's not a basic, uh, deep moral issue where the other person's offensive to you, I'm thinking like one could be very strict conservative, the other could be very strict liberal, and they can kind of like banter back and forth arguing, let's say, about the health care bill or about Sarah Palin or, you know, anything. But at the same time, they respect each other and they you know, they don't hate the other person for feeling differently and they don't feel that they're negatively impacted. It's it's a discussion and, and they end and they love one another anyway. They just disagree on an issue. That that can make for an interesting relationship because if two people were exactly the same, what one would be unnecessary. Right, I agree with that. And that's yeah. what a lot of people look for themselves and I feel that's the biggest mistake. You should look for almost your opposites where you're strong Look for somebody who compliments that. Where, where, you, where you're yeah. weak or you're not knowledgeable, you know, look for somebody who's got the knowledge or who has the, you know, In emotional strength or whatever. Because that's how I feel relationships balance, and that's how you... Well, they're all complementary differences. I think we're talking about complementary differences versus differences that pull people apart. Like if one is if one is bright and the other one is aggressively stupid. <laughs> well, that one's tough. Right, yeah, that's yeah. tough because you're totally, if, if I mean, you're not going to get the intellectual, um, you know, stimulation that you need from somebody. And, and so often when you are intelligent, you need that. Well, if one person believes in till death do us part lifetime commitment and another person believes in... Uh, you know, communal living, you have as many sex partners as, as you as you can. These are the kind of things that can't be worked out. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Those yeah. be our, our core issues or core moral issues, and that's yeah. where I feel you need to be aligned in a relationship to have success. Exactly. Or if one wants to have 12 kids and the other hates kids and wants to be child-free, you know, somebody's going to be miserable. You can't just compromise in the middle. Yeah. because it doesn't work. It's too far apart. But yeah. if you don't discuss these issues before things get serious that you're talking marriage, you know, that's a lack of communication. And that's why I feel communication is so big. And I and one of our um, mailbag questions, um, Paula and Sam, I feel that's a big part of what they're not communicating with is really what each of them wants. I don't feel they're the being... The distant relationship. You mean. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel they're just caught up in that because it's fun, it's easy, um, and then you get to see somebody once a month or whatever it is. So, you know, it's, 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 it's got this excitement and this intrigue and all this other kind of stuff, but I'm just not feeling either one of them is being totally open and honest with what it is that they want and where they want their relationship to go. Because if they were, they, the question would have been a whole different question. That's right. 
But in any event, we do have one caller that has been extremely patient waiting for us to take his call. Let's take that call, and then we're going to continue on with some more relationship tips. Okay. Well, we have Gabriel, and where did Gabriel go? I think Gabriel's still there, um, the third one down. Yeah, he was here a second ago. and Gabriel, we're ready for you. He's not here anymore. Oh, wait, no, wait. Um, Gabriel? Hello? Uh, After all this time of his being patient, he seems to have gotten lost. Okay, well, I don't know where he is, so let's continue talking here. Um, Dr. Cirillo, any any other strong relationship tips? Any other strong relationship tips? Well, what's also important are not only uh, complementary, let's say, similarities and values, but sometimes, you know, it's true that the marriage can stand the loss of a child, but the marriage can't stand often one person squeezing the toothpaste in a different way from the other person who, who can't stand that. So, I mean, if there's things like one person wants the windows wide open and wants to sleep in 50 degrees and the other person wants 80 degrees, Uh, one person uh, loves to eat big meals at home, the other just uh, grabs fast food. Uh, Too many cultural differences. That's why arranged marriages work so well because you have so much in common as far as family and background. Mm. So these other issues as far as things you like to do, one wants to sit and watch television, one wants to constantly exercise, that's not good. It's good if you exercise together. The more hobbies and interests you have together, the the better the relationship is because the less one feels that they have to do what they don't want to do to keep their partner happy. If it's always like, okay, my turn to eat the food I like and you eat what you hate, and then this week we'll do the opposite. It's better if, like, I win, you win. Mm-hmm. You know, we both. So compatible interests uh, might not be as deep as values, but believe me, they can hold a relationship together on some level or break it apart. And and in 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 aligned in alignment to that thought, I also feel that um, you know when when you have that um, I'm trying to think of even how to word this um, when you have that I don't know sort of like interest outside of what the other one you said to a share doing this thing together you know go to the gym together go walking together you know, have hobbies and interests together. I also feel when when you have those differences, you learn from each other and you get exposure to things that you might not have had the exposure to before. And that also adds the excitement and... Of course, you're open to those things. Yeah, I would agree. If the person has interest, maybe something you never tried, but that's not something you hate, but something you're interested in learning and, and capable of learning. Yeah, I mean, I always think that when you're in a situation like that, um, that that offers that sort of expands your horizons. It offers new opportunities, new new you know, just learning new things. I mean, anybody who who's involved with me in any way, shape, or form better like dogs because they're going to be great. And but I use that as a sort of like a barometer because it's important. I once had this guy years ago 
that um, really, 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 really wanted to, you know, get something on with me. And he was an absolute neat freak. And he, had, he was like, oh, every piece of fur, you know, it, there couldn't be fur anywhere. And it, it couldn't have one piece of fur on his clothing. And, I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm constantly brushing myself off because dogs shed. You know, you and love the doggy hay, yeah. And there is, you know, fur on my furniture. You know, I mean, there. I let my guys, you know, sit on the furniture, sleep on the furniture, or whatever. So I couldn't be with somebody, and I, I was trying to make logic with this guy, explaining to him that that's too far out of, you know, the comfort zone. The dogs are not going anywhere. And at that point, exactly. I think I had one dog. You know, I, I don't even think I was showing at that point. But, oh, God. Know, it was just <laughs> now you have fun. a full dog house. I know. So for me, somebody who's really an animal lover, and even if they've never been to a dog show in their life, if they're an animal lover, that whole concept of dog shows and, you know. Of course, they can of, get to love all the dogs in the relationship you have with them, but if they see the dogs as constantly between them and you, and even to the point that they hate the fur, of, and the fur is on you, it's on your furniture, and, you know, you're comfortable with it. Yeah, this, it can't work. Um, uh, you know, when you say when you said what you just said, I'm thinking about my ex-husband, who I remember when um, I lost the dog, when he died, he, was, he got old and he died, and my ex-husband said, um, well, that's it with dogs. We're not getting any more dogs. And then I divorced <laughs> that wasn't the only reason but you know to me that's a love of my life and and for somebody who would think to deprive me of that i'm not going to be happy so i wouldn't stay in the relationship that was not he our couldn't only handle the relation the, the the loss of the dog that it wasn't worth it for him to have the dog was it that he missed the dog too no no he was or, jealous or he just didn't he, like he was, you being that attached yes to the he dog. was yeah. he was jealous he always wanted me to treat him um he once said to me i love you as much as you love your dog <sighs> <laughs> but the dog's love is unconditional. That's, right, that's right. It, you know, and it's just different. Hurt. It's like having a child, you know, so my yeah. involvement with the dog is, is different. But, you know, for me, I obviously need somebody who, you know, because of my involvement with dogs, I need somebody who is involved, you know, or who is open to certain things. I mean, somebody who is a neat freak or somebody who doesn't like a lot of noise because, you know, somebody, the UPS band comes and rings my bell. I mean, it's like, you know, all havoc breaks out, you know, with the constant barking and this and that until I get everybody settled. So those are certain sort of like um, criteria that I need knowing what my lifestyle is. And I feel that that's important because – if you don't know that or if you, you know, sort of lie to yourself and you're not honest and open with yourself, you're going to get involved in situations that are going to lead to only heartache and, you know, disaster. And I'm one that I, you know, for me in particular, I don't want to put myself through that. I don't want to have, you have to, make to know your own down. limits. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have to right. know yourself. Uh, right. Lady I Fontaine, I know you have some... Uh, do's and don'ts for men and women yeah, that you want to I share, do. but I just want to remind everyone that we're on for an extra 30 minutes tonight, so the phone lines are open, and if you still want to call, you can call 646-381-4141 to speak with both Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo to get all of your relationship questions answered. I'm actually going to read something. There's an article that I wrote. It is on my blog, um, and you can get to my blog through my website, ladyfontaine.com. 
Um, and I'm going to read the beginning part of it, then, um, Dr. Cirillo, I'd like you, you and I to talk about it, and I feel you're going to have a lot of other things to add to this. Um, mm-hmm. The actual name of the article is uh, What Do Men Want? So um, beginning the article by saying, to know what men want, you have to know what they don't want. All too often, women give a man what they think he wants, but ultimately it pushes him away. Listed below are the biggest mistakes that women make in relationships. Any single one of these can drive your man away. If you do more than one, the odds get stacked against you. Why? Because men process information in a different way than women. And it becomes important to learn the intricate differences in how men and women think so you can relate to them in their language. If you go to Greece, do you speak to the natives in Hungarian? No, you speak Greek, their native language. The same thing applies to being in a relationship with a man. Learn to understand how they think, how they process information, and you greatly improve your chances of creating lasting love. The list below does not apply to every man nor every relationship. There are still some men that appreciate a woman and treasure a woman who gives fully of herself. But if you embody these qualities and your man is not appreciating you, the list below will explain why. Don't change who you are, but knowledge is power. And sometimes women have to resort to some well-planned strategy to get their needs met. Men often tell me that they're not mind readers and don't know what their lady wants. So these are designed to help you outsmart the Venus and Mars disconnect in relationships. The list below gives you the tools to empower yourself in a relationship by understanding how a man interprets your actions and how to get him to appreciate you more. All right, mistake number one, women who give too much. Um, Dr. Cirillo, you and I already sort of talked about that. Um, You know, in general, when a woman gives too much in a relationship, what is how is a man processing it? What 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 actually ends up turning the man off in in many situations? Well, when she's giving too much, like when she's texting him and emailing him and calling him when he's he's unavailable, either he is a sadistic type who enjoys that this woman is chasing him and. The further he runs away, the more he, the more she chases, and you know, then he, then he's not a nice person, and he continues in his bad behavior. But more likely, he just starts to feel smothered, and that he doesn't have any privacy, that that she's overwhelming him, and he wants his own identity, and he tends to run away and pull away even more, and he it's, he doesn't feel any need to. Uh, be on good behavior, to do anything to pursue her because he doesn't get the chance to. She's already pursuing him, where if she backs off a little bit, then he's in the mood. He's more likely to be at his best when he goes after the relationship. But if she's always there after a while, the way he sees her, it's like a, like a nagging mother or a nagging wife, you know, I want to get away from this. Right, and what about, you know, like when – um, when you, when a man is, and a woman are actually in a relationship and the woman caters to the man so much, you know, does everything for them. So often the, the, I have women calling me that will say, I do everything for him. I cater to his every need and want. And then he goes it's off and, and runs off with the secretary or runs off with this one and that one who treats him like shit. 
What's that well, all Well, what happens is the other person, sometimes they run off with the other person who caters to them, and they're so used to it. Oh, one woman will cater to me when she gets tired, and I'll just move on to the next. Another time, what happens is they don't respect the person who mm-hmm. tries constantly mm-hmm. to please them and who always blames themselves and feels guilty, like we were talking about before, when the man is unhappy. And they're secretly longing for a woman who stands up to them that they can then respect. And it gets harder and harder to do that if you keep catering to the person. So, yeah, you should be considerate and thoughtful, but draw the line there. Right. I would think that some women, some women also, they give and give and give like a mother, not like a lover. Right, exactly. (laughs) And even a mother should back off at a certain point. You know, I knew I had a patient where... She said that the husband, whenever she would make food in the way that he didn't like it, or uh, she he would make she would make something he didn't like, he would take his fist and he would literally break his dish. And mm. she used to like it, get afraid, and it turned out that his, his mother used to, when she would see Sonny had a tantrum and broke his dish, instead of sending him to his room without dinner and letting him go hungry, she ooh, you didn't like the food, and she'd make him something else. But finally. Well, this wife really went berserk, and she said, I'm going to break every dish in the house. She went around breaking dishes, which which wasn't a great way to deal with this. But he never did it again. It's like nobody ever set limits. And sometimes you have trouble with somebody that didn't have limits set mm. on them, and they test and they test. And right. Men tend to want to dominate, so they tend to do that even more than women do in a more sadistic, dominating way if they can bully somebody. But men really lose respect for women. I yeah. think you nailed it when they give and give and give and don't want anything or don't allow the man to do things for them. I feel in the end they get bored, they lose respect, and they move on. Mm-hmm. And I right. personally the same way that, women lose respect for men who cater to them and chase them right, too much. Right. It has to be not always 50-50. But it has to be at or about the level where you're giving pretty much an equal kind of a reciprocal relationship. Right. And and most people think the key to getting or keeping a man or a woman in a relationship is treating them with all this attention and love. And, and I'm not saying don't do that, but it has to be balanced and you have to allow your partner to give it back to you. If it's totally one-sided, it's not, it can't work. In the end, it can't work. I remember reading, I remember reading somewhere, I wish I could remember where I read it, about how boys like to get. So little boys, of course, their moms give them everything and they love that. And men like to give. So a good way to test a relationship, not test necessarily, but if you're, Giving, 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 and the man is taking, taking, taking. He might just be a little boy and not a grown-up man. Mm, And that men actually enjoy giving to women. Mm -hmm. And that real women who want an equal and and balanced and loving relationship of a man and a woman and not a child and a mother should learn how to accept and take and not always give. I Absolutely. I agree with that. And I feel... You know, at the core, so many of us um, act out from our inner child at, you know, throughout the course of our lives just based on, um, you know, experiences from our past. So, so many of us, I mean, even even women um, respond so often from their weakness, from, from you know, traumas in, in, their, in their childhood, and the inner child acts out. But, you know, men are so often, I mean, they're... they're 
they're, they could be pampered tremendously by their parents. They could um, be in situations where they learn certain very specific traits. And what we do is so often we sabotage what, they, what, we, what the actual man wants to do. We sabotage their instinct. And the more you give and give and give, the less deflated the man becomes, or the more deflated the man becomes and the less desire they have to give. And then from the flip side, we have, you know, the law of attraction that says, I mean, if you're going to put your main focus on anything outside of yourself, you're dishonoring yourself. So, therefore, if you just dishonor yourself, um, you're going to draw in more situations that dishonor you. All right, mistake number two. Um, in my experience, most of my clients feel the way to win a man over is to tell them how much you love them, how much you care, how much you'll do all this stuff for them. Um, and in reality, that doesn't work. I mean, men don't want to be overwhelmed with words. They, they think and they feel in very simplistic terms. Um, what do you think about that, Dr. Cirillo? Yeah, they don't need to hear the verbal I love you to have, like, women love men to make love to them over the phone. Men don't really like that. What they like is the nonverbal cues, and that to them, the physical, the touching, means a lot more, whereas the verbal kind of often gets in the way. Sometimes the best lovemaking is nonverbal. And 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 also we have hit on, we hit on this a couple times throughout the course of this evening. When a man is pulled away from you, if a man is starting to shut down, if he needs space, if he's not being attentive, if he's confused, if he has mixed emotions, the worst thing to do is do what mistake number one is, where you give too much of yourself, or mistake number two, where you start to win them back by telling them how much you love them or how much you care or, or whatever the niceties are that you tend to say. Um, that truly, it, the man might be receptive for the moment, but it's going to end up confusing him more and the man will pull back more. Um, yeah, then, you'll need a little reverse psychology here, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in essence, once they pull away, you know, it's just going to end up pushing them further away from you. And, you know, it, it, like I said, you may get that first knee-jerk reaction from them because it will t it very likely could touch them in their heart of hearts. But when a man is pulled back, a better approach is to get him to talk, go back to the basics of what we were talking about before, which is communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also I hear you saying give them a space, give them a reasonable amount of space, uh, but don't act so so uh, overwhelmingly uh, happy and, and, and affectionate and grateful when he comes back. You know, just uh, be a little aloof if he goes in and out. That, but that's, let him tell you right. what's bothering him, really. Speaking right. of going out, we have a caller. We have Lauren who is wondering about a man who she feels is that she's losing. So Hi, Lauren. Would you guys, uh, yeah. here we go. Let's okay, talk to Lauren. Lauren. Hi, and I don't even know if I'm losing. I'm just, I'm really confused. It's kind of the beginning of things. We're not, we haven't even gone on a date date. We've, we've just kind of started talking, and but I'm kind of confused. And and you know, in the beginning is the the make it or break it kind of situation, right? It can either become something or you lose it completely, right? So maybe you can both direct me. Um, we've had great conversations. The first conversation we had, it was, oh, well, I'm just dating. And I'm like, that's fine, you know, I have been too. 
so then further conversations have been, you know, he'd like to find someone to be friends with, something he can build on. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing, of course. Something, you know, he knows. He, he said that he's tired of just these women coming at him and just wanting it to be all about sex, which I just start cracking up about. And yeah, so then, usually yeah. that's not the case. Right, but he's very good looking, you know. I mean, so he's like, he said he's just burned out. He's, you know. So then we kind of had this really great conversation, and we're both older returning students, although I'm a few years older than him, but we're older returning students to college. So he happened to walk by my class and didn't know I was there, but stopped in front of my class and waved to me in the middle of class, you know, just goofy stuff. You know, we had like a couple of weeks of this going by, and then... um Great conversations. Didn't go out. He's got a whole lot going. We both have a whole lot going in our lives. Um, anyway, so spring break hit. Didn't hear anything. Fine. That's fine. I texted him. Hope everything's going good. Didn't bug him a lot. Then Monday comes around, this last Monday, and he calls me out of the blue, and then he, we chat for a second, and then he asks me about one of my girlfriends. Hmm. I don't know. It just kind of blew me away. I mean, I don't know if I didn't, because I didn't blow him up over, you know, call him and call him over spring break. I didn't bug him. I don't know what was going on, but he asked me about one of my little 18-year-old girlfriends until he found out how old she was. And then when I didn't react to that, I'm like, oh, she's really young, you know. Um, Then he told me about how one of the professors, you know, has kind of been hitting on him. I mean, I don't know. What's this big change and why did he tell me? that he wants you to ask him out? It sounds like he doesn't know how to make the first move and sexually he might not be that good or that aggressive and that women are expecting him to be this big he-man and he's already warning you that he's not what you expect and he's not what he looks like. Uh, have, have you tried to suggest that the two of you do something together even if it's not a, it might or might not be a date? but at least it's like see a movie together or, you know, see how he responds. Because he sounds well, like he's a real major assertion problem. Well, I mean, and he's not usually, I mean, he's really a really verbal, active kind of guy. And so, no, I haven't. But then, like, um, okay, so Why then, not? well, I, I, well, I mean, I don't know. Well, last night, I kind of did. Like, last night, I called him when I got out of class. I had a night class. I called him. And... He told me, he goes, well, um, I'm at a, a a young lady's house right now. I mean, again, why tell me? I mean, if you're interested in me, why tell me? Well, so then, is, what is his first name? His first name is James, but he goes by Dusty. By Dusty. Okay. Continue what you were saying. I just wanted to make sure that the energy I was picking up was him. Go ahead. Finish your okay. story, and then I'll give you okay. my comments. Okay. So then um, he... Um, he said, I'm, I'm at a young lady's house. I'll call you when I leave. And I'm like, okay, so that, all right. That was like a put off, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, whatever. So that's fine. And, I mean, fine. So I went home, took a shower, went to bed. I wasn't going to wait for the call, whatever. Um, so then I thought that I would probably see him at class today or hear from him. Because, oh, yesterday, first thing he did was text me first thing in the morning, which, which is fine, whatever. So then um, today I was – Went over to a girlfriend's house and we're cleaning up the pool, getting ready for, you know, the warm weather and stuff. And I texted him and I said, hey, um, we're hanging out by the pool. Why don't you come over and, and just hang out and have a beer with us? I never heard from him. Didn't hear anything. 
Nothing. So you have and then all with uh, most. Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, this way, because now, now I'm in that ego mode where it's like, oh well, damn, you know, how dare you not text me? <laughs> so now I'm just now I've, you know, for the first two weeks that we talked, I didn't call him at all. Now this past two days, I'm in the bonehead mode because I'm irritated. Right. So I but, need to pull back. Right. I, I know would, that. Right. I would suggest you pull back pretty dramatically, and even if and when he reaches out to you, I don't care if he text messages you. I don't care if he calls you. I don't care how he communicates with you. Do not respond. Um, it still feels to me that even though you are, you may not be reaching out, or you may not be waiting for his calls. It still feels to me you are responsive when he does reach out to you. Um, so, it, well, sir, it, were you listening to the show, Lauren? Did you hear? No, that, I'm taking my. I just got on. Yeah, I'm going to go oh, okay. listen to it when it's up again. So I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Okay, because it it, it kind of feels to me, it, he fits into the bill of what Dr. Cirillo and I were talking about, about, you know, the kinds of relationships where you really have to strategize and sort of teach a man how to react. I find it extremely disrespectful that here you guys started out with sort of this hope or anticipation of, of getting involved in a relationship and now he's throw, he's insulting you and he's dishonoring you by Absolutely. asking you about friends and different things like that at that when when a man starts getting in that mode you need to draw that line i mean not get mad not get upset um with him but let him know that it's unacceptable behavior why subject yourself to that kind Absolutely. of thing my gut feeling is he's going to continue to tell you i'm with this woman i'm with that woman um, because you're allowing him. You're still there for him, and he's toying with you. And I don't mean to be that, you know, um, blunt with it, but it really feels to me that the man at this point is toying with you. Doesn't necessarily feel that there's not, um, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Um, I guess I want to say potential here, but it kind of feels to me you just, you've gotten off on the wrong track with him. You've trained him incorrectly. And this, I wish Frank was on the line still, because this falls into just learning how to strategize and respond a little bit differently to the cues that a man is giving you. Therefore, you train them in a different way. In this particular, like you would train your dog, right? That's what you're talking but, about. Right, and unfortunately, we we don't mean so to be so blunt like that. But in essence, no, no, no. It's so weird because the day before spring, the Friday before spring break. We sit down and had a great conversation. He was having a really rough day. He's a vet, and he had a really hard time in Iraq, really, really, really hard time. And he's mm. dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, lots of stuff. Oh. Yeah, really difficult time. And he he's really kind of, he almost started crying. He kind of broke down a little bit. And we're in the middle of school, and we're kind of sitting in a corner, and he's like, it's just, he goes, I just don't know how much more I can take. And I kind of talked him through, and then he took that whole week, and then the first thing out of his mouth, the first call he made when I talked to him was this, oh, so what's up with your friend Michelle? And it just kind of shocked me because I hadn't heard from him all week long. And then this is the first thing out of his mouth. And then, the, you know, and previous to that, he's, he had kind of had a little break down well, and opened himself. Well, let me ask Dr. Cirillo, how would you suggest um, she responds? I think he's, he's embarrassed maybe that he uses you as his therapist. He, you know, he needs some kind of help, which is available to vets with PTSD. Oh, he's but you're it. not the right person. Okay, well, you can't be a counselor to him at the same time because then he's not going to feel comfortable. 
I, I think he has other barriers to dating or getting close with anybody, as, as PTSD victims do have. And, you know, he's toying with you. He's talking about being at a young lady's house because he thinks that's what he's supposed to be doing. But he's already hinted that when women really expect sex or closeness that he backs off. And I, I think he comes with a whole host of psychological yeah. problems. And yeah. you're just going to have to ex- expect that. And, you know, don't push. And, you know, maybe keep him in the back of your mind for when he resolves this. But I would start showing some interest in some of the other guys around and show that you are all women. You know, show that you have a social life, too, and a bunch of people to be with. And if he wants to join, fine. But, uh you're not going to just be there as somebody who's always available. You know, Lauren, he's Lauren, got a life too. Right. And when he's disrespecting you by saying I'm at another woman's house or something, don't give this man the time of day. He has to do something extraordinary to, to you know, earn your respect at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it really is disrespectful to you. And, and if, you know, but basically if he's calling to ask about your friend, Say, hey, call them. Don't bother me about it, and then get off the phone. I just was—I mean, I just didn't know if all of a sudden I got switched into friend mode. Um, He's confused. He's confused. He's got a bunch of stuff that's tugging at him. I agree with Dr. Cirillo that other than the post-traumatic stress disorder, he's got other stuff going on here. Um, He's not ready for a relationship. I feel this is his inner conflict, and he turns cold on you. Um, when he's feeling doubtful and unsure, when he's feeling more confident with something, then he's reaching out to you. But he's got stuff going on, Lauren. It's not going to be an easy ride for you. But um, listen, to, listen to the beginning part of the show when you can um, and take some of our tips on strategizing in the relationship. Okay? okay. All right. We have to go only because we're almost out of time. All right. Thank you so All right. much. Keep us posted on how Thank things turn right. out. Thanks. So it's time for the closing announcements, but Lady Fontaine, did you want to say anything before I start the closing announcements? What I kind of want to say is, um, you know, it was a great show. Um, We've been having a bunch of problems here on Blog Talk Radio for the past couple of weeks. We have reported um, some technical issues with callers getting dropped and whatnot. If you're listening and you're experiencing any problems in getting through, please send us an email or please contact technical support and let them know so hopefully we can get the problems resolved. Uh, We are going to have part two of uh, our relationship show coming up in two weeks. Julie will announce that at the end of the show. Remember to tune in next week at 11 p.m. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be taking your calls. As always, tune in to hear tintillating conversation and expert advice as callers experience the best of both worlds with two of America's top relationship experts. In two weeks, we have part two of this relationship show. We have a special guest planned, Rhonda Findling, author of the book, Don't Call That Man. She'll fill us in on all the details about not calling men, so be sure to tune in. And don't forget to visit Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. Lady Fontaine is an internationally known psychic and life coach. You can also follow Lady Fontaine on Twitter, Facebook, and Ning for her latest announcements. Also, please take a moment to make Eye on the Future a favorite here on Blog Talk Radio and send us a friend request to get special offers from Lady Fontaine. Please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details on all of our co-hosts along with their contact information. Be sure to send your questions to mailbag at ladyfontaine.com to have your questions answered live on the air 
by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. It's been a really great relationship show. I don't have a lot of time, so Lady Fontaine, please share. Well, I wanted to thank all our listeners and callers for inviting us into your homes and for sharing your life's experiences with us. We love hearing from you. Thank you to my co-hosts, Dr. Jean Cirillo, Frank Todaro, Joanna Sanchez, who hasn't been on the show for, the, for a couple weeks but will be back next week, and Julie Zellman. Special thanks to Rachel Look, who did a great job at screening calls for us and helping us with the switchboard. Thank you all. Many blessings to each of you, and I am in gratitude to all of you. Have a wonderful week, and remember to honor yourself, and you'll automatically draw in countless experiences that honor you. Paranormal enthusiasts, I'm heading right over to Frank Tadero's The Invisible World. So if you're interested in hearing the last part of his show, either call 718-508-9285 or check out the show page on Blog Talk, Blog Talk Radio here um, for The Invisible World. Good night, everyone. Hope to see you back here next week. And remember to reclaim you and the life you desire. I'm here to help you aspire to all your dreams. Good night, all. <laughs>